Welcome to the Essential Financial Advisor Marketing Podcast. In this podcast, you'll get discussions and interviews 100% dedicated to helping financial advisors with their marketing challenges, as well as sharing what's working well in their practice. The Essential Financial Advisor Marketing Podcast is produced by FinancialAdvisors.com, the premier directory for financial advisors across the U.S. Your hosts and panelists include Jim Eckel, president of FinancialAdvisors.com, and Ken Tucker, marketing solutions architect. So thank you for checking us out, and please let us know how we can better help you grow your advisory practice. Welcome to the Financial Advisor Marketing Show, brought to you by FinancialAdvisors.com, the consumer-friendly, advisor-driven, comprehensive marketing service for independent financial advisors. Our new services for comprehensive advisors is a comprehensive program that allows them to use digital marketing along with their profile to create an unbeatable marketing one-two punch for themselves and their business. Today, I would like to welcome our guest, Candace Gerlock, CPA. Welcome, Candace. Thank you, Jim. Glad to be here. Candace, how long have you been an advisor CPA and where are you located? So I've been in the public accounting world for about 20 years. I opened my own practice in January of 2018, and I'm located in Carlsbad, California. However, I do have clients that are across the nation. I've always had remote capabilities, but it seems with COVID, there's a lot more people receptive to it. And so I use that as much as possible as well. On our platform, we have investment advisors and we have tax advisors, two verticals. You're one of the few CPAs on our platform. We hope to have more, and hopefully this podcast will allow advisors to want to be on our platform. What made you decide to become a CPA? Prior to becoming a CPA, I was working in the diamond business. I had a young family at the time, and retail hours were difficult to manage. I got a job that started at accounts payable. I was happy because I was working nine to five. And once I really got into the job, I thought, this makes sense. I can do this. And I decided, let's shoot for the high and go for the CPA. With that, my career seems to have brought me to a lot of different places. The good thing is I've experienced audit and forensic accounting. So surprisingly enough, the CPA world has been a lot more exciting than I think most people realize that it can be. How is, you mentioned the CPA world can be a lot more exciting. We all know there's auditor and CPA jokes and (laughs) (laughs) they tie for the being the butt of the joke type sometimes. Why don't you tell us more about that? So I think there's a lot of opportunities besides just sitting behind the desk and pushing a pencil. For me, I like the interaction with clients and the different opportunities are available socially to work with your clients. And also there's the forensic arena, which either can be really ugly or really fun. I think the really ugly sometimes can be when you're in the middle of a divorce or fighting family. But the fun part is when you are working with agencies in things like the Ponzi schemes. And I was uh, able to go on a couple of criminal when they were doing the raids, places to get their records. We had to, I had to go in and get the accounting documents before they were shred by the CFO in the back office talking up front. So like I said, when I first started, I never imagined that it would be that fun, but there's a lot more to it. I think there's just a lot of different avenues that you can choose with a CPA. What are the primary areas of your CPA practice, Candace? Uh, So right now my firm mostly works in the tax area. We 
do tax planning and strategizing, also the, the compliance. We do provide some fractional CFO works for a few clients and advisory type services. So I usually work with business owners. Sometimes they're established and sometimes they're newer, just within that whole range. And I like to spend a lot of time with my clients and offer them an opportunity to be trained so they can understand what financials mean and why they're important. They're not just the pain that you have to get done to do your tax. That's what we try to do, stay in communication all year and not just be a compliance practice. Just pick up the paper, any business magazine, especially magazines that are into mergers and acquisitions, private equity, hedge funds. It seems like the world is awash for assets, and that could be real estate assets, of course, but it's also business assets. Things are called a a capital asset. And these days, if you're a firm that wants to grow or want to be acquired, and Mm -hmm. either or, it seems like these days in the Pac-Man field, either you're coming or going, it'd be best for you to be knowledgeable as far as how important your financial are, that they be kept alive and up to date and wasn't something you gave to your accountant at the end of the year or actually in the March or April of the following year and say, hey, do the numbers on this or save me some money, whatever. I think your field is becoming a lot more proactive than it once was. And I think that emboldens people to be more proactive as far as how CPAs reach out to their clients. And if you've got a CPA working for you, in addition to an investment advisor that handles various types of investment, not only Wall Street types of investment, but could be a liquid investment, just several investments. You could elucidate or tell us a bit about the different types of assets. I know you mentioned the fact that you got into the business in the diamond business. And I think I've talked to you before that you were in the forensic business. So as far as Companies that you've worked with that have different assets or the industry that in, can you tell us a little bit about what those rather unique types of industries or fun industries are when it comes to what you've done? I have clients that are in biotech that I think are especially interesting right now with all the new things going on and new sciences being used in vaccines. Plus, I also like it because then I can ask all the questions I want and get some answers. I have a lot of clients in real estate, and that's also been a pretty interesting year as far as that goes. I work with estate planner attorneys. That's been interesting. I like to help the families that need guidance moving through that stage. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned estate planning. I think the Biden administration, I saw something the other day that mentioned the fact that he's he has plans to reduce that exemption. Have you read anything about that or what's your thought, what's your thought process on that, especially when it comes to estate planning? or families that own businesses. How's that work? I think the good thing is he did not remove the step up in basis that he had been talking about, which was a a very scary thought. He was going to have the million dollar limitation on the lifetime exemption. Mm -hmm. I believe now it's settled around 2 million. I don't remember the exact number that they've been kicking around, but I think that's a little better, but it also is definitely something to think about. Here in California, you easily, with homeownership, can have a million-dollar estate and not think that you do. I think it's good to definitely be proactive and talk to people, go revisit those old trust documents. It may be something that was written a long time ago and needs to be updated anyway. I think at this point, it's a little hard to do planning. There's just a lot of speculation. We're getting some information. The capital gains tax, it sounds like that will stay at the preferential rate. But again, we, we never know where things are going to fall, definitely. So 
just try to do the best we can with speculation at this point. Gives people a great idea, a great reason to keep in contact with their tax advisors, tax professional on a regular basis and not just once a year because things change so much mid-year that not everything starts January 1st. There can be yeah. some times when they include in the middle of the year and you're, you're caught backward because so many businesses are so busy doing what they do best, making a living, growing the business and so forth. And then we think about the taxes and it's almost like if you you're a CPA, you've got to stop that thinking and say, listen, I'm your go-to person if you want to grow your business. Let's sit down and meet with me and let's strategize a plan on how you can grow your business. Exactly. The biggest thing I like to talk to my clients about too is where do they want to end up? And mm -hmm. the best thing to do is start building your financial use and your planning with your accounting systems and everything else to get you to that place. It's a lot more difficult to go back and try to fix. That tends to be a lot more expensive than just starting off clean from the right way and knowing that you know, in five years, I wanna sell my business. I wanna, what are the things that we need to make sure are clean on the financials? What are they gonna look at during due diligence? Or I wanna be prepared with plenty of money to retire on and not have to worry about medical bills. Should I invest all in real estate at this point? Mm -hmm. And that's where a good financial advisor comes in to say, does this make sense for you at your age in the big picture of everything that, that you have? Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you, you are staying liquid as well. Yeah. The last thing, the last major real estate decline we've had was 08 and 09. Started coming back in 10. That's over 10 years. And people have always, when's the shoe going to drop? And there's several reasons why the economy keeps going. But and, yeah. and when that happens, the, the proverb is cash is king. So you don't want to buy at the top of the market, but who knows what the top people thought that 2018 was the top of the market for heaven's sakes. You know, right. This keeps going. What I want to ask you is when it comes to marketing your practice, Candace, what are the marketing challenges that you have? Sometimes it's finding the time to sit down and focus on a marketing strategy. It's very easy for me to get consumed in work as I'm sure everybody else has the same issue, but it is very important to carve out time and come up with a strategy. What are you going to do to reach the public and make sure that you're keeping enough time throughout the year doing that? What do you think is the most important thing to do in marketing your practice? I think being visible in, in the community is very important. I have always felt that in the financial world, it's very personal. People really have to expose a lot of themselves and a lot of their business when it comes to seeking financial advice. You definitely want to be able to build trust and have people feel comfortable with you. And I feel that the way that you get that to happen is by spending time with them out in the community. With that, I think picking boards to be on for different causes that are important to you is one way without having to invest a huge amount of time. And another way would be just to join local groups. I belong to the Rotary Club, and that has been very beneficial for me. There's other groups out there as well that just meeting once a month or once a week, just being in front of people, I think mm -hmm. is, is important. In this day of digital media, and everything comes down to what's on your phone, text, your radio, it's always good to press the flesh because people want to know that you're real with, those, with so many fake people out there on the net. It's nice to know that people are real. There's no other way to do that is to come to meetings, physical meetings. And I'm glad we're getting back into the physical meetings because they all stopped when COVID appeared. But now you've got more organizations that are starting to form again, physical meetings. 
people at one time said, oh, no, they're meeting. Now they're rejoicing. Say, yeah, I get to go to a meeting. I'm so tired of Zooms. I'm, I'm so tired of Google Meets. I think with COVID and the lack of being able to meet, people have become more comfortable in other ways to reach out in the community and are more comfortable with expanding their community just beyond their little pod of their neighborhood. Amazing how quickly you can reach other places across the nation and really have good working relationships with other people that way. Yeah. In fact, I have a CPA that is in New York that we have worked together on a couple of different projects. Since then, he's, he's been a, a great resource to have, bouncing ideas off of each other and just getting other aspects. Also having somebody that can give you advice when you need it. Sometimes you get too wrapped up in the weeds. Yeah, so it yeah. is good to have somebody out there. And surprisingly, that wasn't just from being local. That was all the way across the nation. Very true. I have some of the advisors on our platform, one, one of the one advisors, a CPA back in New York, had mentioned that he's increased the number of clients in different states multiple times. Yeah. I mean, he just concentrated in New York and New Jersey. And now he's got people down in Florida and Atlanta and wherever they prefer to live outside that New Jersey, New York area. That's benefit, been beneficial for him and just about every professional out there. Regarding marketing, what's working well in your practice? I think really taking focus on my clients to under, to listen, letting them do most of the talking. That way it allows them to express their pain points, which maybe they may not come in with a bullet point sheet and say, this is what I need. And sometimes they don't know what they need because they don't know it's even out there. I think just letting people talk is one of the most important things. And I, I think that helps people feel a lot more comfortable when they're listening to you getting advice. The other thing is staying connected to other professionals in the same field as myself or different fields. I like to be able to know if my client has a certain pain point and it's not something that I specialize in, that there's somebody that I can turn them to that I know is going to be work well with them. I know we'll be successful working together. I think that people really appreciate that instead of trying to say, hey, I know everything. Oh, yeah. Um, just saying, listen, I don't know that. I know that this can definitely benefit you. I'm going to let you talk to this person that I've worked in that area and let them do what they do best. I think we're all aware of the people that are know about everything. And that, that's mm -hmm. the biggest red flag when you meet people. Some Sometimes at a chamber of commerce meeting or something like that, you talk to them, oh, I've done this and that. Especially in financial services, I found that. Over the years, when people have their business card or their flyer, whatever the case may be, they have for a litany of 401, retirement, they plan like, wow, that's a yeah. lot of services. More often than not, you find out they're selling products within those services. I think by doing that, by being open to referring out certain times, people remember that and they do reciprocate. They also feel a lot more confident in you that you're not going to try to just do everything to save some ego that if there is something, you'll bring it to light that you need some help in. Yeah, you got to be upfront about that. Are there any lessons that you've learned, good or bad, when it comes to your experiences in growing your practice? I would say the biggest thing is really be prepared. I think sometimes people may have a fear of how am I going to get clients? Am I going to be busy this year? And the answer to that is yes, most likely. So be prepared, make sure that you have a plan B so that you don't run out of the hours during the day and don't end up in a bind to where you're not being able to communicate well with your clients mm -hmm. because you're so far backed up. I think being sure to schedule time off, it's very easy for me to get wrapped up. I can work 24 hours a day. 
but there are other aspects to my life and I have to make sure that I carve that time out. And sometimes it just does take planning to say, I'm not doing this and I'm putting mm-hmm. in plan B to answer the phone for me so I right. can get away. I think the other thing I've learned is I feel like over my past years in my career, the expectation for deliverables has increased. I think people are so used to being able to go online and get an answer in seconds or being able to use some software and pop some numbers in and get a report. I think being careful to communicate with your clients and set realistic time expectations is important. Yes, you can go to certain places and have information input and be done in an hour, but is that really the service that you want or do you want something a little bit more comprehensive that will look at all different aspects and try to at least let you know of different opportunities that are out there for them. If they choose to follow some of them, then that's great. If they don't, then that's great as well. At least they're not saying, why didn't my CPA tell me? Yeah, especially these days with the advent of uh, the robo, the the tax, the Intuit, H&R Block, of course, have always been out there. And of course, a lot of those people are trained, but I'm not not how well-trained they are. They're trained, I think, in reading, adopting to the 1040s, the forms of the IRA that the forms require. There's more of the planning than just abetting your knowledge to a form created by a 1040, whether it's a 1040 or an 1120 or, or whatever the tax form is. And that's the reason why people come to a CPA, where they can actually, there's a nuance to how you handle the form. There's there's assertive CPAs, there's aggressive CPAs, there's meek and mild CPAs. <laughs> there's across the board, and I think clients once they understand that it could make a big difference with regards to their liability to the IRS, it depends a lot on who they work with in a CPA. Yeah. And I always feel that my clients, the tax return is the end result before those forms are filled out throughout the year. They know where they're going to stand and they plan for whatever has, is coming down the that I usually like to discuss with my clients enough so that by the end of the year, they know what the end number is going to be. So no surprises. That's good. How important has traditional marketing been to your practice? Things like networking, referrals, direct mail, and so forth. So I think networking and referrals have been very key to building my practice, not only from receiving referrals from clients, but also reciprocating referrals back to other experts in the same field as me. I haven't done a direct mail campaign. I feel like those might be pretty expensive and I'm not sure exactly how effective they are. We all know where most of the junk mail ends up. So I feel moving more towards the digital marketing was definitely more cost effective and I think more efficient to spread your message. You're correct. Direct mail has had a weight of landing up in round file number 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was that called part of outbound marketing. And then it seemed like <laughs> inbound marketing took over. And then when you think about MailChimp and all the rest of these digital marketing powerhouses that send out hundreds of thousands of emails and we got to be concerned about them too because they're the systems are becoming smarter and smarter in understanding what are the IP addresses of Mailchimp. <laughs> so your question is, did they actually get to the intended receiver? So there's lots of things to consider when you're doing that digital marketing. But when it comes to content on digital marketing, what types of contents have you created or have you done that? Have you done any in the past for the promotion of your business? I have mainly stuck to blog posts uh, mm-hmm. across different platforms. And I think, and this is my first podcast, by the way. The other thing that I think has been helpful to my practice is just to admit that I'm not a marketer unless people that are marketers to help me. I used to think that 
maintaining a blog post would be very time consuming. You have to dig deep, make sure you're correct. And how do I post this? But I did have found out there's a lot of subscriptions out there that have a lot of content that you are able to use and adjust to set your own tone to it. I think that helped also having, like I said, a marketing professional to help take that burden away from you is yeah. a huge help. <laughs> it's really worth the money. I heard, I read one time you're either going to pay for marketing or you're going to pay for closing your business. One of the two. Wow. That's a good, that, that's a good thing. I should remember that when I'm out there talking to advisors that utilizing our financial advisor support, because it's all about that. We determined in the, the many advisors in my platform is the fact that they would really like a concierge, someone mm -hmm. to actually take over their marketing and handle it because they know what they do as far as investment advisory or tax advisory. They would like an equal type professional to do that and ask them, sit down with them and say, much like you sit down with a client and talk about their taxes, a digital marketing professional will sit down with the client and say, okay, let's develop a strategy and maybe become just like you're a fractional CFO. In my industry, it's become a fractional CMO, a fractional chief marketing officer. And that's what advisors want. Lots of times they've got a video here, they got a blog here, then can anybody put it all together for me? And exactly. tell me where we're going. Give me a plan book like a football team does and say, this is our schedule for the next six months. And here's yeah. what I expect of you and blah, blah, blah. And then yeah. at least it's handled. You're doing the best you can. That's efficient with regard to your, your budget. You're not overspending, you're not underspending because you don't want to close your business <laughs> and you don't want to overspend to close your business. You just want to spend that requisite amount to bring you eyeballs. You're targeted to market, not anybody, but just you're targeted to market what you tend to specialize in. And that's what I found is true for most advisors. They want leads from people who they tend to work with. And that's why we have in our platform, every advisor on the platform tells on the profile itself, what types of individuals do you work with now and who do you enjoy working with? So the client or the prospective consumer investor client coming to that page will know this is who the, the advisor works with. So they're the yeah. meaning of the minds. Yeah, I agree. I think people are busy and it's good to have the guidance where you can go to one place and sift through and find somebody that is an expert in the niche that you're looking for. But just what you said, how important do you think going forward is digital marketing for your practice? Do you see it becoming more or less, not only for your own practice, your CPA practice, but the CPA industry? It's. I feel it's definitely here to stay. It's definitely an important part of, if not a very critical part of your whole marketing scheme. I don't understand SEO. I don't understand all of the multiple platforms that are out there and, and how they work with the searches. It is critical to have somebody handle that for you. Mm -hmm. People go to the internet and they're Googling everything. You also, it's definitely out there. You want to make sure that your the content that is referred about you is quality. That's, That's true. Sure. I think being intentional from the beginning is very important as well. The information that's on the web can be there forever. So you definitely want to be intentional with what's going out and enhancing your image. Absolutely. You're right about that. They're, they're forever. We've all done a Google search and wanted some certain subject. And then we're reading this article and found out as it was printed in April of 2010. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like you want to tell Google to clean up their mess. Your yep. room's dirty. Your room's littered with all this old information. Is Can you clean it up? And their answer is no. They're <laughs> yeah. 
It's the person that wrote it up there. We're not responsible for anything. That, that's a whole That's a whole new thing. This Rule 230 that they're investigating here. Uh, who's responsible for what? But that's a different podcast altogether. Anyway, we're coming up to the uh, half hour mark. And I just wanted to mention a couple things uh, to you. Uh, talk to my guests on the show. It, it's always something to keep the guests so. Can you think of uh, two people that would like to be guests in the show? Would really like to know who those people are, either businesses or advisors or whatever the case may be. Because I read some place where if you did that in the, the podcast, you ask somebody if they can provide two people, then you would always have a steady stream of guests <laughs> on your podcast show. And you've been a great podcast guest, even though it's your first time. It's only, it's only my fourth or fifth time. The more you do this, the more comfortable you get. Just like everything else, you got to start someplace. But anyway, well, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add to the, the podcast today? I think the only thing I'd like to add is to uh, thank you for allowing me within your platform. It definitely has been a benefit. Just in, in the short time that we've worked together, definitely that it's generated results. And I think that's important as well. <laughs> thank you. Well, before we go, how would companies or individuals who wanted to, to rely on your expertise as a CPA, Candace, get a hold of you? First of all, I can be found on the financialadvisors.com website. Also, I have my website at candacegerlockcpa.com. The best way is either book a consultation online or feel free to send an email or a phone call. Well, and I'm always happy to answer questions. Sometimes people just want a question answered and not necessarily a whole bunch of other things attached. I'm always happy to answer questions. That's very good to know. Because a lot of people and they ask a lot of questions before they even commit. And there's lots of industries out there that have these walls up there. So the meter's on as soon as you pick up the phone. It's like, I'm just kicking the tires here. So, but it's glad that you have those free consultations for people to to see if you guys can work together. Well, thank you very much. I want to thank Candace Gerlich for being one of my guests on the Essential Financial Advisor Marketing Podcast Show. Look for us. the show on your friendly Apple or Spotify platforms and also on financialadvisors.com and financialadvisorssupport.com, our newest plan or comprehensive digital marketing services and tools for independent financial advisors. Thank you very much, Candice, for your time. And, Thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll say goodbye for now. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please be sure and subscribe to the Essential Financial Advisor Marketing Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. We'd love for you to review us wherever you get your podcasts. Visit financialadvisorsupport.com for more episodes, our financial advisor directory, our blogs and video resources, and links to set up a free consultation with the hosts of this podcast. Thanks again and stay tuned.